Welcome to part two of our chat with Craig Gower and Ryan Girdler on the Legends of League. Of course, it's coming to you from Four Pines Brew Pub in beautiful, sunny downtown Manly. Now, of course, we normally do the Legends of League tournament. It's been on a couple of years now. We've done it in Newcastle. We've done it on the Central Coast. Well, COVID-19, it just means no Legends of League tournament this time around. We'll get back to that. In the meantime, we are doing this wonderful podcast. Part two of our chat with Ryan Girdler and Craig Gower, we talk about their careers at club level, where they played together for Penrith, winning the 2003 Grand Final. So it's a great chat of what went on behind the scenes. Here is uh, part two of episode three of the Legends of League. Yeah, it's the Legends of League podcast. And look, before we go any further, I'll just reintroduce you to our uh, guys that have joined us today. Of course, the great Ryan Girdler of Triple M fame and uh, Girdlers. And so too, his friend Craig Gower. Gowie, we don't see so much of you these days. I mean, I've been to a couple of sports lunches where you've told me you're going to kick on all night. You're not going home. You're, it's a local game. You're in Penrith. You're just going to kick on. Is is that your motto? If you're in Penrith, you'll just stay out all night. Oh, it doesn't matter where I'm at. If uh, if there's a beer on, I might, uh, I might stay at all stumps. But, uh, yeah, I try and keep myself out of those uh, profiled places now, yeah. you know. Um, always bring myself unstuck somewhere. So I thought I might as well just stay local and – have the shield that I usually have out there, so it's all good. See, we were at this uh, beautiful establishment in Penrith, which was a lovely place, not as good as the Four Pines, but I said to you, Gowie, I said, like, are you going home when this function ends? And you said, oh, mate, I'll be going at about four in the morning. Yeah, well, I think we did too. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a good day. We had uh, Fletch and, and Heidi come out and uh, had all my mates out there and we always have a – Good beer at the Gemma. Goes hasn't been the Gemma. He's too, yeah. too up he's class. Too up, yeah. yeah, he's was, too up was, class to turn out there. Was mate. that another cash job for you, Maroon? Was it? Oh, <laughs> mate, no, mate. Actually, it was a love job. It was, it was a love job for charity. Mate. I don't mind doing a few You're love such jobs. Such a generous soul, mate. You wouldn't get in the pub in Penrith with that fancy shirt. Ah. Where did you get that shirt? I have no idea, actually. It's like what's a lumberjack shirt. shirt that's never been anywhere near the bush. It's like one of these people that drives a four-wheel drive, mm. but it never gets off the bitumen. Is that right? Mm. I do that as well, actually. Boys, I've got a special guest for you on the phone, but just before I get to him, I've had so many people getting out of me via email and Twitter and God knows what say, if you get Gowie on, you've got to ask him about the two buses after the 2003 grand final. Now, yeah. what happened? You hijacked two buses. No, well, I didn't know that we hijacked two buses. I got told. So, and obviously... Did you forget? I, I wasn't in a good state of mind at that time in the morning, you know. But what, <laughs> what happened is that we got... Because we went back to the Leeds Club and Gers Vouchers. We went back to the Leeds Club. We, we partied there and then we got the tap on the shoulder by the club and they said, you better go. And I said, well, I'm not leaving until you fill a cab full of... Full of alcohol, so we can sort of <laughs> shift off, you know. And, and we had a big crew behind us, so we went, went back to my mate's house, Kiwis, and and um, so we, we shot back there. There was a there was a huge crowd there. I don't know what. There was like had to be at least forty, I don't know, 40, 50, 60 people. Right. Know? So and anyway, we'll have a good time. The morning hits, and we're we're at the front, and we're just uh, we're having a good time. And then we had to get to the Pioneer, as I remember, because we had to get to the Pioneer and then get to the get to the ground. We had to do a dress up. And uh, so we landed, and we landed um, the first off. These buses come past, so I, I ran out, stopped the bus, and I said, "Mate, you've got to, <laughs> yeah. you've got to take us to the pub." I said, "What are you doing? Like, yeah. what's the go?" You know? And he goes, "Oh, mate, I'm on route. I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it." I said, "Please, buddy, you've got to take us. We can't get. There's no cabs. We can't get anywhere. Just take us back up there." 
He go, I said, mate, you'll be fine. You won't lose your job. You'll be okay, you know. And if you do, just you know, give, me, give, me, give, me, give me a ring and I'll, uh, I'll try and sort it out mm. for you, you know. But he goes, yeah, okay, jump on, jump on. Just get on the bus. So we, we loved on the bus. We got to the pub um, and obviously it was, we were all sorted. And then after I did that, the, the podcast the other day, one of my mates rang me and he said uh, there was a conversation on Facebook about the lady was speaking to the bus driver and – so he'd be got in contact by uh, direct message and uh, said, "Oh, well, Craig wants to meet up with him." And and she goes, "Oh, well, by the way, he's actually hijacked two bus, <laughs> two buses. There was two two bus drivers that want to catch up. So um, when when this pandemic sort of finishes up, we're going to go catch up with the two bus drivers and have a couple of beers and uh, tell old stories and hopefully they can fill me in with what actually happened on the bus." Did you drive the bus? I, I, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I, 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 I couldn't tell you. Were you on the bus? I think I was on the bus. Mm. All, all I remember is going to the Pioneer. They wouldn't let us in. Do you remember that? Where they put us out the front, they wouldn't yeah, let us in the, yeah. the Pioneer and then we had to sort of walk back up to the league club and then, yeah, he's right, then we had to go over and there was uh, all the fans were sort of waiting over at the stadium and we had to walk the, the shield around and, yeah, good memories, good times. Well, before we talk any more about the uh, famous 2003 grand final, let's go live via satellite, thanks to modern technology, to the backyard of Luke Prittis. Prito is online. Prito, welcome to the Legends of League podcast. Afternoon, gents. Good. Gowie. Hey, look at your way, mud. Can you stop moving the Good camera? Voice. You're making it really hard to focus. Oh, someone's Can got it. to hang on to my phone, so. Okay. Hey, I didn't bring get one the, of the kids out. up there to be in studio, so. Let's, let's bring your involvement, Prito, <laughs> into the, uh, the history of the Panthers, certainly this squad that won the Premiership, the second Premiership for the Panthers. You came to the Panthers via a stint with a couple of clubs, Raiders, Broncos, You've a couple of times I, – I, I don't think people realise how many great, successful football clubs you, you've been at because you came through that Raiders system into the Broncos when they won a premiership, into the Panthers when they won a premiership. You're even in that 2009-2010 Dragon squad. Yeah, that's correct. Um, Penrith was obviously the, the longest club that I, I stayed with and still out here living there, so the riff is, is still home. Um, but yeah, I suppose I, I was lucky that I was able to be involved in in all my clubs. Were sort of always vying for the, I suppose up there for the premierships, apart from a couple of sort of final years with with Penrith. But um, again, I suppose I stayed at Penrith because I loved loved the area and and the the mates that we sort of uh, all put together as, as a team. There was was a, a good team, and um, unfortunately had to sort of move on for those last couple of years with St. George, but again, um, was able to be part of a, a premiership down there. So um, people always ask you if you have any sort of regrets or, or anything around about your, your career. Um, but I, I sort of can't really say that, mm. that I do. I, I think I, I did everything I, I possibly could. Um, I would have liked to play more rep football, but there was a bloke called Denny Badiris in, in front of me. Once, once Gowie moved out of the, the hooker position, I got rid of him, but then, uh, Bedsy sort of stayed there for a while, so that's probably uh, the only thing. So does that mean you were just going where the cash was? Is that why you changed so many, <laughs> so many clubs or what? Hey, eh? well, trust me. <laughs> hey, hey, Pritto, tell us. If I chose to cash Gowie, I would have left. I would have left Penrith after the grand final, mate. Hey, Pritto, tell us a little bit about why you made that decision to, to come out west. You, you know, Maroon spoke about the clubs that you did have a fair bit of success at. Um, did you see? I mean, two thousand and one, we got the wooden spoon. You came two thousand and two, so. What, your, what were your expectations at the time coming to a club that had just received the spoon and, you know, was in a little bit of a hole at the time? 
I mean, I suppose Gowie was the the last person I really sort of spoke to to, to make the decision. Uh, again, I suppose it was out there in there. I think Mourinho's still a, a Rabbitohs fan, aren't you? Yeah, bloody oath, oh, mate. I was sort of looking to go there, but there's a there's a bloke there that was a football manager that started sort of telling porcupines in the paper about me. So um, no, I sort of dismissed that, and I had a sort of a chat with Roycey, and then the next thing I knew, Gowie was on the phone, sort of basically calling bullshit to see if I was just you know, basically looking at Penrith as as an option to to put the price up. But I sort of said I was serious because he had sort of made the decision that I was told to move from hooker to, to halfback and. Mate, that, that was sort of the, the end of the story. Um, I decided to sort of come down. I suppose the first game I remember was against Parramatta and all the boys were, were G'd up because Parramatta had always sort of stiffed Penrith up and mm. we sort of thought first game of the season's the best time to get them. And I, I think sort of after the, about the fourth try sending on the underneath the goalpost, I think we got done by 50. I was sort of thinking, what the what the hell have <laughs> I done here? I um, remember getting back in the shed afterwards and, there was numerous phone calls from from Wendell and other boys up in Brisbane, um, but I suppose we got the last laugh because you said back in 2003. I yeah. remember before we we did leave the club, we a few of us ended up back in the in the boardroom there in the in the Panthers and uh, happened to have a telephone and picked that up and, and called Dell and, <laughs> uh, and I basically sort of said, "Look at us now, mate." So, mm. so let me ask you, blokes, about this. Gerds, because I spend a lot of time with you in footy season, and if I see you around somebody like Gowie or somebody that you played with at Penrith or somebody that you were in that um, really successful origin side around 2000, there's a bond, isn't there? There's a special bond with the players that you've had so much success with. So you three together, Gerds, what's the bond? Talk to us about the bond. Well, I think when you – especially when you win a premiership, you know, regardless of what you do individually with the representative things, I mean, it's great to come together with, you know, really talented people and and have success. But I think at a club level it's just a little bit different and especially with, you know, Prito, it was great. I mean, him and Marty Lang, what they brought to the club in 2002 in relation to – we had a a young – a young uh, group of forwards that were coming through the system and they had plenty of ability but we had we didn't have a lot of leadership there and Sats came um, you know a, a year or so before that as well and so he was a big part of of what those guys were able to do with these young with the influx of young people that we had coming into the into the um, into the team and and Prito you know when you when you when you bring someone into a club that's had a lot of success he raises the bar he knows how to train he knows how to prepare he knows what it takes to be successful. We didn't know that. You know, we, we'd never had a lot of success at club level at, at Penrith. It had been a frustrating time for Craig and myself. I was there for, you know, eight or nine years before we, you know, even started sort of playing semifinals. And even then when we're going into the semifinals, we were kind of almost making up the numbers. You know, we never really believed probably that we were going to go on and, and win a premiership. Uh, there were some pretty good sides around in those late 90 years and we just weren't one of them. So. Prito coming, Marty Lang coming, they just demanded uh, they, were su- they were successful, they, uh, they were competitive, and they really taught our young guys, you know, how to win and what it took to win. And then we, I think we all fed off a little bit of that, you know, and so, um, you know, we had some other good young outside backs and that coming through and we had a really good sort of mix of a, of a you know, youth and experience coming into that 2002 season where um, we put a few games together at certain times of the year that probably gave us a little belief, a little bit of belief. Like Prudhoe said, we started awfully, but at the back end of the season, I think we won five or six games. Um, we couldn't qualify for the finals, but we came down here and did a job on Manly who were looking to make the finals and we, we beat them by 40 points at, at Brookvale. So 
Then we went over to Auckland in 2003. Uh, it was the first trial game and they'd played obviously in the 2002 grand final. And we did a little bit of a number on them in a trial and we all sort of walked off and went, that was a little bit strange because, you know, they're obviously one of the teams to beat this year and we've come over here and in a bit of a canter, put a bit of a score on them and then we didn't really want to get too excited at that time. But with the young guys we had coming through and, and you know, the way that it will, the cards were falling, we started probably believing a little bit. Oh, I know I did after that game. We sort of started thinking maybe we can do something this year. Mm-hmm. Is that how you felt? Yeah, I, th- I think – you know, trials are one thing, and you get a feeling of that. But I think it's the way that the, the, the group gets comes together. You know, Preston come in two thousand three as well, so that was um, another piece of the puzzle. And then you had guys like Luke Lewis, Luke Rooney, Trent Waterhouse, uh, Shane Rodney, Lukey Swain that that were coming through that were very good players, and all they all they needed was an opportunity. And um, you've seen by what they did through through that year, and obviously into the final series and grand final, what what they brought to the team and. Uh, you need that, you know, especially with the salary cap the way they are. You can't just have, you know, multiple, you know, high-paid players across the board because you just can't comp- – you just won't be able to, to, to afford that. Unless you're Brisbane, once. of course. <laughs> yeah, or, 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 the, or the Roosters. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, but um, but that, yeah, the thing for me is that, that, that what those kids bring in with that the, the, that youth and um, that the – the energy that they bring to the games it sort of uh, helps the older blokes to do, to perform and and um, it was a just amazing to be a part of that whole year because it just felt like even though we got to through a tough start but then when we started to turn that corner and started to win win those games it just it felt it felt I don't want to say it, but it felt easy and it felt easy because you knew that every bloke next year knew what his role was he knew what they were capable of and they knew that they were going to deliver on the day mm. and they did that and that was the, the best part about it what about boys so being penrith players and have playing through that wonderful era luke do you think that a panthers supporter today and you still live in the area do you think a panthers supporter today has a, a reason to feel a little bit disappointed um in the fact that we've seen um, Cleary moved on as coach. Hook came in, Anthony Griffin. Griffin gets moved on. Ivan Cleary comes back. You've had the involvement of Gus Gould. You've had players that I would have thought were going to take Penrith to a premiership. Seen some of those players being moved on. What do you think is kind of having one foot still in the camp and one foot out of the camp? Where are the Panthers now? I wouldn't say I've got a foot in the camp. Um, I'm just a supporter like everyone else. If I can get a free uh, ticket up to the, camp to the captain's club, that's about as close as I get. <laughs> but um, I think that – I suppose the disappointment is that they've been sort of so close building and then all of a sudden – that's well documented that everything then changes and it's a, you know, the rebuild starts again. I think they've had – and they always will. Penrith will have a, a great junior system and those young kids coming through, but – I really feel sort of over the last couple of years, some of the the mature players that they're sort of brought in to guide these blokes probably have let let them down. You know, like a bloke like Petro when he came in, again, my sort of last year there, he had an aura about him. He led from the front and basically all those those young blokes, especially the young forwards like the Tim Grants and that, they, they grew another arm and a leg playing with him. I don't think that they've had that. They've gone for this full youth policy, but again as sort of Gowie and Gerds alluded to, you still need a sort of a core group of mature blokes that can lead because a bloke that's in his first or second year of, of first grade, he doesn't play the full season up to their potential. They'll, they'll have a run where they might play really good for four or five games and they sort of go missing. 
uh, and then they'll come back. It becomes a long season. So when you can sort of have that core group of mature blokes that, that lead, that's when you get the best out of a, a group of young young blokes. So you only need sort of four or five, um, but they need to be sort of key blokes. And I think that's pretty much what Penrith have missed over the years. You know, Maloney was that sort of key bloke, but I don't think they had in the backs, I don't think they had in the forwards a key key leader. They've got all these young, rough, tumble blokes that you sort of look at that should sort of go on to play rep football, but there's just not that sort of leader that's sort of taken that, the next step to, to drive them more forward. Also, you don't know what's the politics of it, you know. In every club, there's always politics behind the scene. If something's gone down that you don't really hear about, um, you know, Gerds and I, we've been involved where there's, you know, one of the coaches gets sacked and, you know, there's questions around it and, you know, your performance and all the rest of it. And um, it, it gets to it gets to the, 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 to the group. It does, you know, like obviously when you're not winning games and, and so forth. But, um, you know, from my understanding, there was, there was chat that, you know, Hook didn't get along with a couple of blokes, and and then then it just starts. It just snowballs. It's like it's like cancer. Simple as that. And then the, the club has to be seen to do something to keep the players happy, which I think is rubbish. Because at the end of the day, the players are there to play, the coach is there to coach, and just go out there and do your job. Even though there's there's occasions when you might not like a player or all the rest of it, but you're just out there. You got the same common goal. Your common goal is to win and to, to work hard to to, to to succeed. And I think that's. Um, that was with Penrith's problem. You know, obviously Gus did fantastic things out there. He did some fantastic things and that club wouldn't be there at, the, at, at this stage if he didn't come in and, and do what he had to do. And, uh, and I don't know if people realise how close that club was to, to going. So, But how, how on earth – if I've heard other people say that before Gus came in, the Panthers were on the brink. How on earth could the Panthers be on the brink? I mean, they have – you, you know, could say the same uh, thing about the, the NRL, mismanagement yeah, of funds. Yeah, you could. Mm. You know, and, and I, I don't know the full story and, and I don't really want to speculate, Maroon, but, you know, I know they had a lot of assets at some point in time and this is where Prudhoe can probably step in because he's the money man amongst us, but they had a lot of assets and they had, to, they had to sell a lot of those assets at some point then to pay some of the debts and uh, they've taken out quite a few large, I think, loans over the past, you know, 10 or so years and... Uh, they haven't always had the capacity to cover a lot of those loans, so mm. therefore they become, you know, they become in debt, in a lot of debt. And um, and I think, you know, Gus came in, and it wasn't just about the rugby league side that he sort of worked on. I think a lot of it had to do with the administration side and things going on around uh, the financials in the league club as well. Mm. And how did that differ? So, say, two thousand end of two thousand and six, Gower, you go over and, and play rugby, and you start off in France playing rugby. How is it different? You go over there, and there's one bloke who's who's just loaded up with cash, and money's not a problem. Yep, exactly. Right, it's simple yeah. as that. They're, they're funded by wealthy wealthy Can owners. Uh, <laughs> I think he's in that category. Yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that, that's the thing. But it's different with them. It's all it's all ego with the, the French, especially the big the big guys and. Uh, it's who can splash around as much cash as they possibly can to, to get the bigger players there and all the rest of it. And mm. that's how they work. And we like them. It's a good, good system. Mm. Well, speaking of cash, uh, often, uh, you, like you, Gerds, I spent a lot of time in the gong. Mm. And when you left the Steelers back in God knows when, 1991, 92, to make your way to Penrith, a lot of people in Borelli Street and Crown Street, Wollongong said, what about Gerds? He's just dumped us to go mm. to a bigger, better club. But the fact of the matter is you had David Riolo in front of you and Mary oh, I McGregor. I wouldn't consider and Dave Riolo. <laughs> I wouldn't put Dave in front of me. 
it was it was it was it was the diminutive fullback at yeah. the Steelers at the time, so he was never in my spot. But yeah, there was some quality outside backs at that mm. time. I mean, don't forget in ninety one, ninety two, I think you know they had their most successful time in the competition. Only started in the eighties and uh, were able to basically get to a, a prelim. Um, and uh, the year before, I think it w- what they weren't too far away. We won a, a, a thing called the Two Is Challenge, which was kind of like the MCO Cup back in the day, uh, which was a big thing for the club and, and the only thing that we really ever won down there. Um, and yeah, I was um, I was fortunate enough to come through and get put in their system really young. We had a really good SG ball team with guys like Johnny Simon and Johnny Cross and Riolo and, and guys that went on and, and, and played a a fair bit of first grade and then I got taken from their 17 system at the time SG Ball 17s and put in to train with their first grade squad I think it must have been about 72 kilos at the time and had the off season with them and then some of the guys that next year went up and, and played first grade I didn't I had a year in in reserve grade or 21s I think it was in between the two and then the year later um, yeah I was sort of knocking on the door and uh, the centres were Paul McGregor who was the incumbent New South Wales centre and the other one was Brett Rodwell who was the country centre at the time and doing pretty good things and still only a young man at 22 mm. 23 and at the start of his career so i considered myself a center i didn't want to play on the wing uh they had alan mackendale and rod wishart on the wings two you know really good wingers as well but someone was always injured for that first year so i ended up filling playing 21 or 22 games in that 92 season on the winger in the centers uh but then when someone came back and the full complement came back for finals time and then i was the guy to miss out um, and, and when I sat down with the coach, it was Graham Murray at the time, um, he said, look, mate, you're just going to have to you know, sit behind. You've got, we've got some good players in front of you. You're going to have to sit behind them. And then uh, Gus Gould came and got me and I was pretty tight with Freddie. I'd done some junior stuff with him and they come and sat down with me and said, would you be interested in coming up and we'll give you a shot at playing in the centres, you know, in, in 93. And it was halfway through well, the back end of 92 and um, I was off contract and so... Um, I went from like a $16,000 junior scholarship down there in 92 to some decent coin up there at Penrith. Yeah. And I didn't even know where Penrith was, but, <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know, I, once I got there, I, I settled in pretty quickly and mm. enjoyed my time there. Did, do you remember me on Wollongong Radio? Because I was massive. I, was. I remember Millie. Right. Did you work with someone called Millie? Yeah, Maroon and Millie. Maroon and Ma- Millie, it was, was massive. It? Okay, Matt, it was yeah. massive. No, she was great. Now, we, we, you, you mentioned the name Mary McGregor in that all that Luke Prittis. That's a bloke who's come into coaching, first grade NRL coach, but by geez, I feel like Mary McGregor's had a wretched run with luck. Is that a fair thing for me to say? I don't know. I don't really know the politics of what sort of happened down there at St. George, but um, no, I do keep in contact with, with one of the, the blokes down there. And I suppose it, it's, it's just hard. I suppose it's been the coach. Um, no, I always sort of look back at, at Wayne and even Johnny Lang. I sort of find the, the successful coaches don't have too many assistants to help them out because mm. I think the more assistants that you have, uh, you may feel that you're getting all this expertise coming into your team, but it sort of starts to diminish what your message is. And I think nah, even Johnny nah, Johnny Langan, as the boys would sort of attest, he was, he was a pretty simple coach. He, he's mm. basically, I, I never forget him saying, uh, if you dive over from dummy half and you score score a try, it's still worth four points. If Gerds runs a hundred metres and scores a, a try, it's still worth four points. So he doesn't really, he didn't really care how you got across the line, as long as you got across the line. And again, with sort of Wayne Bennett as well, he kept things pretty simple. Um, and I think you, know, you find all those successful coaches, even you look at Robbo on that now, while he's, you now he's bringing in key people like Joey and you now he's obviously got Cooper Cronk there and that. But I think you'll find when you go to successful clubs, 
the bloke that sort of stands on top is the coach and he doesn't sort of have too many other comments around him. And, and as I said, if I go back to sort of the days with um, Bellamy and and Wayne back at, at, at Brisbane, and Bellyache would sort of spend hours upon hours going through videos and you'd give Wayne, you know, these 10, 10 A4 pages full of notes, et cetera, and basically Wayne would sort of have a look over them and he'd basically pull out about three key things and that's that's all he told us. Mm. Um, and even Bellyache would sort of say back in those days, he, he used to sort of you know, get so into it that you no, know, he, he'd be urging to, to want to, you know, oh, you forgot this point and you forgot that point, oh, you forgot about that, but then you know, basically it would be, We've got the we've got the simple we've got the basics covered, belly ache. That's the way that we're going to sort of run with it. And I think he sort of learnt again, and why he's so successful down at Melbourne is because at the end of the day, he knows what's successful, and that's the message that he gets across. So, all the other coaches that want to bring in you know, physios and have all these you know, blokes monitoring data of how many k's you run at training and all that sort of stuff. Look at at, at the end of the day, yes, you've got to look after the players, but I mean, nothing beats hard work. I mean, I always remember, you know, Gowie and that, you know, when we had a win and that, even if Gowie was out to five o'clock in the morning, we had training the next day, Gowie would be sort of the first one in the gym. You knew he'd potentially been out because he'd be in the gym by sort of 6.30, <laughs> get his session out of the way, and then he'd go home and have a sleep for a few hours before the... The giveaway the was he was still in his going out clothes. <laughs> you can't do that, no, <laughs> walking out, no? <laughs> <laughs> It's funny. But, I mean, that, that's what you do. You don't get away from hard work, mm. no matter how much science and... I'll say bullshit you sort of try and bring into it. At the end of the day, it's a pretty simple game. You just got to get the basics right and, and get the ball over the line and score more points in the opposition. It wasn't I always think that's the, what we had in 2003. It, it wasn't always, always the case that wasn't always, always the case though, Prito, with Gowie doing hard work after wins. I remember one time we um we had a good win. It might have been his debut or I don't know, you might have been a couple of weeks in. He was pretty confident, kid. Is it, did you debut at seventeen? You were seventeen still going to school, weren't you? I was eighteen. Were you 18, were you? Yeah. But you were still at school, weren't you? You drove that little white prelude. With the, you had the top down with your hair <laughs> yeah, blowing around, remember? With the gold Ray-Bans on. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And and we had a win, uh, which was probably rare when he started debuting. When did you debut? Like 96? 96. And we didn't have many wins that year. And um, and so we uh, we all went back to Freddie's place and um, had a kicked on after the club. No, it was before that. It was before that. I was playing reserve grade that. I played reserve grade. And I come, I come over to Freddie's house with... Um, uh, I was at, that's when I was going to school, and uh, with Petho. Was that the yeah. year before? That was or the year was before. Oh, right. Yeah, because you played. You played all. So this cocky kid turns up. We didn't even really know him, but we knew he was coming through the system. And he turned up in his car, and he's prelude. We'd had a win, and so he came back after the um, after the club closed, and then we all sort of kicked on the next day, and we're having a few beers around the pool. It was this day we played on a Sunday, so it was obviously Monday morning. So. And um, and I remember we, we, there was John Cartwright and Freddie and we were sitting there and saying, who's this kid? Who are these blokes sitting here in the in the pool there drinking whatever they were drinking at <laughs> 9 a.m. on a Monday morning? And like, oh, that's that guy. I said, okay. We, and someone said, he should be at school. And we said, what school does he go to? So there's someone, we found out what school he went to. So Freddie and I went in and wrote a, because back in the day you had a fax machine. <laughs> Freddie and I wrote a fax to the principal of his school saying that he wasn't going to attend today because he was partying with the Penrith first grade side after their win that he wasn't even involved in yeah. and so I, I get pulled in the next day obviously standing and he goes oh what are you doing and i said well yesterday i said oh, i was crook and he goes oh yeah of course you were he said i'll oh, come to my office i said yeah right i don't know worries and walked in and he goes oh 
So what were you doing yesterday? I said, no, I was, I was caught seriously. And um, he goes, oh, really? He goes, I've just received this fax. And it said, um, uh, Craig Gow won't be uh, attending school today as he's barbecuing and drinking alcohol with his mates. So, um, yeah, so I took that home. I took that home to the parents. That wasn't too good. But, um, yeah, they sort of ex- they, they experienced me when I got home on the Monday afternoon. So they, knew, they already knew that I wasn't, was, I wasn't yeah. at school anyway. It was so. just the start of many good things to come, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, that was one long, well, there's a long list there, I'll tell you. <laughs> We ask all these uh, – everybody that comes on the Legends of League podcast, we ask them to give us the team list of their best 17. I asked th- these three palookas, and only one has done his homework. I mean, he might have done his homework back in 1996, but he's done it today. Craig Gower's team, let's have a look at it, and you blokes can comment on it. One to 17. What a team here, Gower. You've got Billy Slater at fullback. You've got Minicello and Wendell on the wings. You've got Ryan Girdler – and Greg Inglis in the centres. Half and 5'8", you've got Freddie Fittler and Andrew Johns. Then your forwards, you've got up front, you've got uh, Tao Malolo and the great Glenn Lazarus with Cameron Smith. Your back row, Sam Burgess, Gordon Tallis, Bradley Clyde, but have a go at this for a bench. On the bench, he's got Thurston, Wally Lewis, Darren Lockyer, Danny Badiris. What about that first side? Let, let me comment first. I, the reason why, I'll, I'll explain a, a couple of things, all right? I went with, uh, obviously, Billy Slater, just normal, you know, like you can't get any... any. Anthony Manicello, I got to play, uh, obviously, representing football with Anthony and just the vibe that he gives you on the field, he's just the way, he's, his athletic ability, his energy, and also he's a good good bloke to go out with off off field. So that he was definitely in there. Uh, Gerds, I, I think, obviously, people would be a bit... Um, might be a bit wary of why I picked Gerds, but I got to play with Gerds, uh, and I don't want to embarrass him, but I got to play... With a long top for a long time, and uh, obviously, um, I think it was his ability to actually bring that winger in. I think he obviously he was before uh, Matty Gidley doing the flick pass. So I think um, his ability to be able to put put his winger away was and his his class with the ball. I just puts him against those fast runners that were were elusive, and that that's why I put put Gerds in there. England, great Greg Inglis. Well, there you go. Wendell Strong, Freddie, Freddie and Andrew. Jason Tom, I see what he does now at the moment. Like he's just, he's devastating. Yeah. He's one bloke I'd, I'd love mm. to play footy with because you just be off him everywhere you go. And um, obviously, the brick with eyes, Glenn Lazarus. I got the room with uh, Glenn. That was uh, interesting. How was that? Yeah, that was, um, yeah, that was different. I, I knew my place anyway. So, yeah. uh, Cameron Smith, Sam Burgess. You just seen what how inspirational he is. Uh, Gordon Tallis, for his, how aggressive he was. You know, he was he was one of those guys where that was very intimidating when you played. Uh, Bradley Clyde, because he was my favourite player. And um, I just loved that he always used to take the first ruck off mm. after a kick. He'd be back there and he'd take the first ruck. And uh, I think he was he was an unbelievable player. And then, obviously, Jonathan Thurston, Wally, Lockie and Bedsy. So, there you go. Mm. What a Good side. side. Yeah, well, Gerds and, and, and Prito. Gerds, I'll start with you. I, yeah. I mean, Bradley Clyde... It, like every time I'm involved in one of these lists, one of these teams, he's a real players player. Everybody says yeah. Bradley Clyde. He changed. He changed the way that that Locks played the game. We, I mean, for Locks, I think you know went through that sort of generation where they were kind of handy ball players. They weren't that big. They didn't necessarily take on the line a lot. They were sort of almost like a, a, a bigger five eight, so to speak. But he was a guy that, as Gowie said, um, in the early nineties was the first one back behind the football 
um, and was just charging in play one if he could get back there. And then he'd take play three if no one else was back there to help him out. Uh, a lovely bloke. We got a tour with him uh, in, in 97 and spent some time with him too, a quality human being. And, um, yeah, just a, a guy that, you know, people talk about um, players that have changed the, the – or or change the way that their position plays, I think that's mm. that, that's Bradley Clyde. So you couldn't leave him out. Prudo, I can't believe it. He's got Danny, Danny Badiris on the bench, mate. What's going on here? And not you. <laughs> not me. Hey, I still love oh, you, mate. mate. I still plenty, love you. Plenty in front of me. <laughs> I'll give you a story about Clyde here, though. Obviously, I got the, got to play with him for, for a couple of years. Um, and I still remember when I was coming through the junior system with, with Canberra. And this is how sort of what a – if you want to use the word legends. Um, no, I think I was playing under-19s and Canberra always had a policy that you know, they'd try and have at least one night um, where the whole club from you know, 17s all the way through to, to first grade played and I uh, trained and it was out at Seaford Oval. It was fucking cold, excuse my French. Um, but it was, the first, <laughs> it, was the, it was the first session that we sort of all came together and I remember sort of you know, we warming up and, you do your couple laps around the oval and we're sitting in the sort of the end goal and we're all stretching and um, Brad Clyde comes up and just basically shakes my hand and said, how are you going, Luke? Uh, my name's Brad Clyde. And it was like, oh, mate, I know who the hell you are. How do you know <laughs> me? And, mate, that, that, that's, that's the sort of bloke he was that he'd sort of got around and known all the all the, the juniors coming through. Um, and mate, that night made a – made a beeline to everyone so by the end of the night he'd sort of introduced himself uh, he was an international legend by that stage to all these local juniors that were sort of uh, in the in the Harold Matthews and all that coming through so right. and I, that, that, that moment sort of stuck with me throughout my whole career and I sort of remember you know, and, and presto as well uh, when we had a few losses out at Penrith and it was always bloody cold because we always had Saturday night games and that and the last person that you'd always have there would be presto there with the crowd signing autographs because at the end of the day uh, he was that sort of humble sort of person and he never forgot where he came from and uh, the fact that uh, the crowd that turn up there every every week are the ones that pretty much pay our wages so Clyde was sort of in that in that same mold but obviously a decade or two before him all right Luke we've got to say goodbye to you mate but it's always a pleasure to catch up with you mate on the Legends of League podcast we'll let you get back to work Luke Prittis but uh, you are a legend mate across a number of clubs and uh, you played more than a handful of games for all of them you had a wonderful career and uh, we thank you for your time awesome guys enjoy see you Prittis there he is talk and dribble Luke Prittis joining us there on Legends of League podcast now it's time to say goodbye to these boys what I was going to do with this four pints uh, brewing company the pale ale this is the six pack here I was going to bust it into three and give them two each. But I said, bugger it. The only one to do his homework was the great Craig Gower. So, Gowie, that's yours, mate. You can have a couple of those in the park before you get on the bus and go home. Yeah, I'm driving. So I'll uh, I'll save them up for it at home. So all it's right. all good. Good on you, mate. Good to catch up. Thank you. We'll Thanks see you back me. at the Jammo or the Pioneer. Happy days. Are they open? They're not open yet, are they, the Pioneer? No. It's not open. Uh, June 1, I think. Yeah, well, that's not far off. June 1, apparently, but I'll be staying out. Ryan, we'll Good see man. you on the um, – See you soon, Maroon. And the, uh, Thanks for having well, me. Well, Triple M NRL. We're both – we're brothers yeah. from Triple M NRL. We are. Thanks Good for coming you, in. Pleasure. Once again, thanks to our brand partner, which is Four Pines Brewing Company. You can give them a follow on social media with the handle at Four Pines Beer or check out their website as well, which is fourpinesbeer.com.au. But it is a beautiful drop. 
And please make sure you hit subscribe so you're the first to know once a new episode released. That's about it. Find us on social media at Legends of League Oz. So it's Legends of League AUS, Legends of League AUS to catch all our exclusive content and announcement. That's it for this week on the Legends of League. 